Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Um, during a tough pandemic season as well, um, and so I, I want to make sure that some of our council members are able to kind of share their stories of um, what God is doing in their life and who you know, also to see who they are. Um, you saw Mike go down of our, uh, of our kids' ministry, our Hope Kids and Tots. He's our new um, Hope Families director, but he's one of our council members as well. And so um, they've been serving in multiple facets behind the scenes. Uh, we hold a monthly meeting. Um, God bless their souls. Um, apparently it was like uh, prior to me stepping in, because there's so much to cover in a season without a lead pastor, they would be on a call for four or five hours at night after they finished their daytime jobs. Um, so they have really served so faithfully from behind the scenes. Um, and you know, they're not a mysterious um, group that just makes decisions <laughs> behind, you know, without any accountability or partnership, but they're part of the, the pieces that are built into our denomination, into a church structure to give checks and balances. Um, to make sure that there's accountability for me or anyone else in this position as a lead pastor. There's voices of encouragement and also um, wisdom. And so we're going to be going into that. But today um, and this month, we're going to be unpacking what it means to continue to grow as a generous church, Um, as a church that is generous not just in our finances, but in our time and our our talents. Um, And because of that, you know, for some of us, one might be a little bit more challenging to give than others. Um, For New Yorkers, I mean, time might be more valuable to us than money, right? I mean, how many times have we calculated the cost of, you know, I'm going to spend a little bit more, but I'm going to have about an hour extra freedom over here. (laughs) Um, We're willing to make that, like, kind of a margin and that sacrifice. Some of us offering our talents might be so difficult because we've experienced moments in the past where people have abused or took advantage of our time and offering of our talents, um, or maybe we've only been perceived as people that are for our gifts and not really for as an individual. Um, I've been in those spaces as well, too. Um, and so I want to be able to bring all those perspectives together and to really give a godly approach to how do we view and how do we um, learn to grow in these areas as a church, going beyond our past hurts, going beyond our challenges, beyond, and actually even having making some tough decisions and sacrifices. Um, you know, one of the things that I think as a church uh, we lean too heavily on or we, what we do to pretty, uh, sometimes a good job in is making things very comfortable because at the end of the day, we're like, oh, we want people to come and to stay. And we make everything very just like comfortable and it's a very like, it's a kind of a casual faith. Um, but the reality is for us to grow closer to God and to mature in faith there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be areas in our life that God's going to poke at and to be able to convict us of. And I want to open up by saying that our, my job here isn't to do the conviction. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to shame. I'm not here to guilt. Um, because the reality is all I'm doing is I'm presenting the gospel. I'm presenting what Jesus is saying. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit and for you to have that interaction time um, for you to come to a place where, okay, God, I, I sense you moving in this area, and this is an area that I want to direct myself in. But what I want to encourage us to do is I want us to be able to be vulnerable in, in those areas. Can we be open-hearted? Can we be come to God of open hands and saying, Lord, nothing is off-limits. Nothing is off-limits. May you come and speak into all the areas of my life that maybe I've held dear, Maybe I've considered it as an idol. Maybe this is an area that I was like, God, you can have all of me, just actually not just this 2%, not this part of my life. Um, and we've kind of protected ourselves in our faith and our growth. But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus enters into all the spaces of our lives, into all the pieces, and he speaks truth and love and kindness into all those spaces. And so today... Um, as we're going to have the council up, we're going to be talking through, actually, faith and finances. Um, and this is an area that we have not perfected, that I have not perfected. We're all growing in. Um, and then next week, we're going to be talking, actually, about, um, people always ask, what, what, what's the difference between tithes and offerings? What is a tithe? Right? Um, and so all that we're going to uh, kind of unpack today and next week. And then the following week after that, we're going to be talking through talents and time. 
Um, what does it look like for us to offer our time? And by time, I know a lot of times we think it's just serving, right? Can I do more work around the church? But the time that the Lord asks might be, hey, can you stick around five minutes after service just to pray with somebody? I know you're in a rush to go do this or do that, or you have these chores or that, those chores, but can you hold a conversation for five extra minutes and encourage somebody and to pray with them? Um, and sometimes for us, that is more valuable than money. <laughs> it's like, Lord, here's my Venmo, all right, but I gotta go to my next thing, <laughs> okay? And so we're gonna be unpacking all those areas and not just one, um, but like I said, my goal and our goal is not to shine a flashlight and be like, feel guilty or shameful of this. We just wanna be able to share the stories of what, how God has inspired us to grow in faith and finances. And what I wanna actually open up with is Matthew 6, 21. And this is a very... Um, powerful principle and a teaching that Jesus gives to us. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it always took me a while to figure this out, but the best way I could think of it is, um, I'm a hobby enthusiast. Um, got, you know, my poor wife has to deal with seasons of hobbies in my life, um, and I don't ever just dabble. I go all in, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it, it gets obsessive at certain points. Um, there was a point in my life where I was into trading, like trading card games. Our living room looked like a garbage dump. There was just like, un, un, like wrappers and boxes, and um, I don't just like get them. I, I have to organize them in very specific ways. And so I would be spending hours like serial coding all the items. <laughs> um, I get very obsessive in that. And I realized very shortly for me, if I love something, man, all my time, talent, <laughs> my finances, my treasures go into it. Um, I don't know why, but there's, a, there's, a, there's this trend of everyone around my, maybe I'm just getting older. I'm not old, okay? For those of you who are older than me, I'm like, you're not old. I know. I'm getting older, but I realize that everyone's getting into golf. I don't know what it is. And I'm like, where are you golfing in New York City, okay? But anyway, everyone's getting into golf, right? And um, everyone asks me, when am, when am I going to start golfing? I was like, I can't. Because if I start golfing, you're never going to see me. All right, my wife and baby are never gonna see me because I get very obsessive about these things. And I also know it's not just my time that's gonna be invested into it because I know, like, I've watched tutorials and, like, I, I kind of da- wanna dabble in a little bit, but I know all my money's gonna go into it too. I, and I don't like, I'm, I'm the type of guy, I guess, um, that comes in with all the nice gear but have no talents, right? Like, that would be me. Um, I'll show up to the, you know, the golf course. I'll, have, I'll look like a golfer, but I have zero talent and ability to be able to hit the ball anywhere, okay? So, but we, we kind of get into these patterns, right? The reality is if we love something, um, I think as people who live in Brooklyn, um, we've all gone to a season of, like, I'm going to be a, a barista, Right? Like, I'm gonna make the perfect brew of coffee, okay? I know some of you had the coffee tasting. I'm not judging, okay? That's really cool. Uh, we have some great baristas in this house. Um, Jonathan in the bag's a barista. Um, but, man of many talents, does our sound, and brews a nice, mean cup coffee. And so, um, but I realized there was, a, there was a, one point in my life where I like, I wanna learn how to brew the best cup of coffee. And so, before I even brewed my first cup, I bought all the stuff. Right? I bought all the stuff to measure the water, the, 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 the beans. Like, I bought all the stuff, and I probably made like two cups of coffee, and that was it. Right? And so it, you know, we, we've seen this pattern. We've seen it during the pandemic, where our, when, we, when we have a passion for something, all our treasures go into it, our time, talents, money. And for oddly enough, though, there's a disconnect when our passion for Jesus is supposed to be our first love, and yet... All our time, talent, and treasures are disconnected from that. Our priority is just showing up for service. But the reality is, if our hearts, our motivation, our our desires for Jesus are there, the kingdom work becomes a priority. And I'm not just talking about tithes and offerings to the church. But our time in prayer and intercession our, time, our, our treasures on how we invest into what God is doing in the city, how we offer our talents, the talents that God has given us. You know, everyone says, like, if, if you spend enough hours, you could be good at it. There are some things I look at, I'm like, I could spend 10,000 hours, I will never come close to what this person just wakes up in the morning and is able to do. Okay, there are some God-given talents, but how is that invested into the kingdom of God? See, I truly do believe that in this passage, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As we invest, our passion and our heart grows for it. And 
I want to be very clear, the motivation for this and something that I've always looked into is that, and something God has been speaking into me is, he's not after our wallets. And we see in this encounter with people, Jesus' encounter over and over again. He's after the heart. He's peering into the heart, realizing that money sometimes can have a stronghold. And in our culture, in our society today, where finances have so much power and wealth and distribution. And I loved what Emily said last week, that you know, the, 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 the gospel, the, the purpose of the gospel isn't for us to hoard all this power. But how do we extend this power of Jesus to others? And we realize that in this world, whether we like it or not, man, if Metro cards go up, it is an uproar in this city. Right? It is one thing that all New Yorkers can passionately be angry about. Okay? And, and the, the narrative is always the same. Prices, fares go up, quality goes down. Right? And we realize that how much influence that money has over our lives. And so, but in the same way, Jesus is not looking for the amount. Like, that's not what generosity is. Jesus is not looking for an amount. But Jesus is looking for the attitude, the heart. See, generos- generosity demonstrates our faith. Generosity reveals our character. Because to be generous means to give something of ourselves. To truly be generous, generous is to give something of ourselves that we hold very dearly. Because we see in Matthew 12, 41 to 44, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Right? So, you know, this is clear to say that just because we give a lot financially doesn't mean that we're safe. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And we see this principle time and time again. And um, I'm actually, at this time, I'm going to ask Christy, Dave, and Janelle to come up. Um, Let's give them a round of applause. They're coming in, kind of sharing their story. Um, Janelle, you could just grab the the wireless mic over there, too, for you guys, um, right here. Yeah. Um, And and as as they're coming up... um, it was funny because as worship was going on today, we had this message and this time together planned. And um, as the worship was going on, I was like, Jesus, I don't even care about the finances. Just give me your Holy Spirit. Because at the, at the end of it, if you look at the early church, um, when we look at the fellowship of the believers in Acts, um, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders, at signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. You see all the time, talents, treasures combined in this passage. You see that the early church wasn't built on um, grants and scholarships and funding, but it was, it was gathered through the power of the Holy Spirit and the generosity of the church. And so um, with that said, um, I'm excited to kind of just have this time of just asking some questions to our, our council members. This is Janelle, Dave, and Christy. Um, Christy is actually, if you've been to any of our town halls, our accountant, um, you know, she's done so many great, <laughs> she makes numbers make sense. Okay, that's the best way I can say it. Um, church, believe it or not, church finances and accounting can get very complicated. Um, and Christy does a phenomenal job of being able to put all the numbers in color coding <laughs> for us people to understand as we're looking at it on a monthly basis. Um, so, you know, these are three of our council members. Um, Kevin is also a council member in the back, um, doing our pro presenter. Who he refused to come up. Um, the Holy Spirit let him speak to him for the next time around. Um, and Mike Holmes is downstairs. Um, Yuri and Mandy are also part of our council as well. Um, and their primary role on a month-to-month basis is to help steward our finances. 
Um, so all the giving that comes in, what goes out, preparing our annual budget, it is a tall responsibility. Um, and it's also a burden that they shoulder um, to help kind of buffer a lot of the tension of finances as well. Um, and they've been so faithful to it, and I, I'm so thankful for all of them because um, they don't just look at numbers, but really they, they see the, our finances um, with spiritual eyes as well. Um, and it's, that's, a, that's a gift that you just cannot teach. And so um, we're going to have some time going through some questions um, and just giving them time to kind of share their stories. You may not agree with everything that they share, um, which is fine, um, but I just ask that we just have open hearts and challenging um, and just to receive um, what they're saying. And um, one thing I just want to mention pragmatically, because uh, this has come up in conversations and partnership meetings as well, I personally actually don't see any of the giving that comes in. Um, so I don't know how much each individual gives. I don't know who gives. Um, I let the council manage all that. Um, and that's a couple of reasons. One is for um, a safeguard for me that I don't build my relationships dependent on who's the biggest financial giver to the church and who doesn't give. Um, I don't want that to be affected in any way or possible. I don't want to show favoritism in that way. And even though you know, I could say that I don't want to do that, um, the heart leans. And so I actually don't see what comes in every month. Um, as, as far as the, the, the total number, I see. But I don't, I don't know who gives, on what platform, how much they give, how much you give regularly. Um, I think Dave just found this out like a couple of months ago. Yeah, as soon as I found out, I stopped buying you lunch. <laughs> I, I, fi I figured it wasn't doing me anything, so I stopped doing it. Now I just give to the Lord. Great opening. Uh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> Tell the truth. Shame the devil. <laughs> and Dave, Dave's actually one of our longest running council members. Um, so in partnership, we go through like our dynamics of a church organization and the denominational piece. So Dave will be relinquishing his spot in the council very soon. Uh, we're trying to boot him. He's been um, over his term limit, if you want to say. Um, but he's been very um, essential in our transition periods and kind of just keeping the, the boat steady for us um, as a council. And so, um, but we know that God has like a unique calling for him. And so we're gonna be transitioning him out eventually. So you'll hear more about that. Um, and like I said, our council members, uh, you, they don't, they're not staffed with us. Um, they're just, it's a voluntary basis. Um, I will say as an accountant, Christy gets, I put in quotations paid because it's really kind of like, coffee money, um, but uh, she, as an accountant and treasurer, she actually doesn't have voting power in the council meeting because it's a little bit conflict of interest for her to present the annual budget <laughs> with me and then be like, yeah, I vote approved. <laughs> and so, um, but Christy has been, um, I just always want to give a shout out because I don't think she gets acknowledged enough. I know she plays the drums, but um, <laughs> someone of many talents, but uh, as she manages our budget and our finances, um, whenever I speak to her about it, like she's very talented in that area, but also her heart, um, I, you know, she sees the numbers and I, I know it impacts her almost in a personal way. And I've been trying to encourage her like, hey, the burden is for all of us to share, but I know how much she loves this church and how much she loves the health, financial health of this church. Um, and that's something that, you know, you could find someone with many talents, but to have that heart is pretty rare. And so um, with that said, um, I just want to ask a couple of questions to our council members, um, starting with, um, is there a passage of scripture or story of Jesus that helped create a framework for generosity and stewardship for you? And so jump in. Sure. Hi, um, I'm Janelle, and I don't have voting power either because I am a staff member here. So... Uh, just wanted to let you know that. But I do attend all the council meetings and um, am there for any kind of Q&A and clarity that they might need on certain things. But um, the first thing that came to mind um, in regards to generosity, uh, number one was Jesus in the garden as he's about to die. <laughs> um, and how he, you know, he asked the Father to like take the cup but um, he doesn't, he drinks this cup of suffering. And um, then we see in 2 Timothy, Paul in prison, and he's talking about being poured out um, as a drink offering. And I just, that picture just kind of kept coming to me uh, because as a follower of Jesus, I am invited to die. Um, and I'm invited into life with Christ, which means that every single day I'm presented with a choice. 
And uh, part of that is marked with generosity. Because if I am saying, Jesus, you have me, you have my all, my all is my bank account. <laughs> my all is my 24-hour day. Um, and he's always going to ask more than I actually have. And I have to trust him. And in that invitation of trust is this amazing journey of watching God do impossible things in impossible places and in impossible situations. Um, and I will just say, before I pass this on, that... Uh, even, even saying yes to him in, in my call in vocational ministry, my parents came to me and said, no, I don't think, we're not comfortable with this. And I said, why? And they said, and I'm like, is it because I'm a woman? And they're like, no, it's because we're afraid of for your financial future. And the Lord said, don't say anything. Let me do a work. And I remember months and months later, my mom coming to me just weeping. And she said, I was in worship. And the Lord said, he is your Jehovah Jireh, and he will always take care of you. And she said, we will support anything that the Lord is speaking to you to do. And instantly the Lord is like, this is the invitation that I have for you. I will always be there to provide for you. And it's always been in subversive ways. It's always been in ways that I have never expected, but he has always done so. And so I follow him. And it's been a journey of a lifetime. Um, God, I don't know why I'm so nervous. <laughs> uh, my resting heart rate is normally in the 60s. It's like in the hundreds. I'm like, what is there's Hannah, help me. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for the flowers, Brian. I did not pay him to say all that. Um, uh, my scripture comes from Matthew 6, and funny enough, we read the Lord's Prayer, Janelle, uh, not Janelle, Janice, um, that wasn't planned earlier um, from the chapter, and then um, Brian picked a passage from uh, sort of the, the treasures, like the obvious um, portion of the chapter, but mine is the section after that when it talks about not being anxious, and just a couple lines, I, I like how the, the message version articulated it, so I'm just going to read a couple lines, and, and for me, it's it's what the finances has provided me, and so that's why this this verse is what I um, what resonates with me. And it's it's about the birds, the birds in the air, how they clothe themselves. And for me, it was about that. It was about the scarcity mentality of of growing up as a, a P, double PK and MK missionary's kid, pastor's kid. It was that. It was the security of what finances provided me, of the food on the table, the clothes on my back. So um, that verse definitely always always gets to me. Um, thank you. Um, and so obviously when it comes to things like finances, there's a lot of challenges, barriers, and no, no one's situation is ever the same. <laughs> it's never a copy and paste situation for everyone that's in this room. Um, whether where our family of origin looks like, where we come from, um, you know, our, how we've managed finances, but in the areas of financial generosity specifically, um, what do you feel like have been some barriers for you that you had to overcome? Or what are some fears when it comes to giving um, and to make that financial sacrifice? Yeah. I'll take this one. Um, I take this one confidently because um, the, one of the fears that I had and the barriers that I have, and I think any New Yorker in this place can agree with, is the trust factor, right? Trusting. Um, as New Yorkers, we don't trust people. We don't, you know, we sh everybody's shady. Everybody's guilty until proven innocent. And, um, and so to step out and trust God, and uh, um, it's, it's, what's amazing with that is you can learn, you can read about him, you can hear stories about him, you can watch movies about him, but you don't really know him until you walk with him, until you're in a situation with him. And there's something that I learned from my daughter, actually, during the pandemic. Uh, she said uh, in a relationship that she was in for a long time, very long time, um, a very intimate one, she said, you know, you really don't know somebody until you're in a crisis with them. And that really rocked me because, you know, the, the relationship she was going to enter in was going to be a long-term one. And she saw the true colors of this person when, when, when times got hard, when situations got tough. 
And I, I say that to say I remember in my, my growth, like, where, uh, stepping out in faith, I knew about God. I was growing in God. I was reading. I was learning. I was in a church. I was involved in ministry. I was doing it all with Jesus. But there came a time where it was now I was going to have to trust in his word, you know? Like, everybody can talk a good game until it's time to put uh, some action behind it. And we were at a church service, and the church that I attended when I was young, um, uh, shout out to Rez, um, they, they had uh, some bills, all right? They had a couple of bills, and, and I was the youngest guy in ministry at that time, right? There was all these other guys in ministry. They were older than me. They had jobs longer than me. I had just recently gotten married, had a newborn kid. Uh, these guys were in the MTA for 20 years. They were, you know, senior engineers somewhere else. So they had paper. I didn't. All right. But um, they put the bills out and they said, um, we want to give the church the opportunity to come up and grab a bill and pay it. Right. And um, uh, yeah, some of your eyebrows went up. And so that sorted minds. And I was like, whoa, that's big. Right. And I, I was like, but I felt the prep prompting of the Lord, you know, uh, go grab one. I got you. Right. How many know that God pays for what he orders? All right. I hate going out with people who order big meals, but only got two bucks in their pocket. I hate it. But anyway, not to derail. Um, God said, go up, grab a bill, grab a bill. I got you. And sure enough, I get online. There was a senior pastor who was you know, MTA for 20 years. He goes and he grabs a bill and he's like, ha ha ha, $17. His bill is $17. And my man worked for MTA. Not that I want to put a salary on blast, but still his was 17 bucks. I go up next, and why did I grab the biggest bill there? Why did I end up with the $1,100 bill? Now, mind you, I was recently married, newborn kid, and I wasn't making, I was making like $12,005 to be exact um, at that time, and it was the biggest bill, and I, yeah, of course I got nervous, um, but I, I felt the peace of God saying, do it. So my natural fear kicked in, natural fear kicked in, but my spirit bared witness that God prompted something in my heart. Go do it. I got you. And I remember having to go, and my wife was there. And she's like, yeah, what you going to do now, my dude? Right? And, uh, and, and I'm like, I have to go to my bank account. And I have $1,500 in my bank account, which for me back then was a million dollars. Right? To take $1,100 out of that puts me way under the $500 that you got to have in the checking account before they start taxing you. So not only am I going to give all my money, but I'm going to get taxed on a little bit that's left. So that's more money, right? Um, but again, afraid, scared. But God gave me a peace in my spirit. I pray that you guys will bear witness to the difference between your natural fear and an internal prompting of the Holy Spirit inside of you that tells you, I got you. That internal assurance, right? Nothing external to match it. We're not led by sight, but by faith, right? So then I faithfully... Took out the 1100 and gave it. And I, I was fearful. Why that week I got a promotion with an increase of over 30%? Why did I get a bonus that matched what I gave five times more? Um, why did God fulfill his promise of test me in this area and see if I will not pour out a blessing that will overfill your cup? God don't cut even. You let me a dollar, I give you back a dollar. No, he overfills your cup. And when he did that, I, that was a turning point in my life that I knew I can trust this man. I can trust Jesus. And so therefore, fear is real. Fear is real, but so is God. And he prompted in my spirit to step out, and I did. And because of that, it, it revolutionized my life. Thanks for sharing that, Dave. Um, yeah, I mean, for if you're a first-time guest here, don't worry, we're not going to do those practices here. Very, very, very unorthodox okay. old school mentality. <laughs> yes, but listen, if the Lord works that way, I'm all, all, all for it. But Remember if you're when he said here. you might not agree with everything? He was talking about me. I'm mad <laughs> animate. I, I'm adamant about this. I, I'm passionate about this because I know what God has done for me. And I'm not ashamed of my God. I will speak loud and clear about who he is in my life. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. Um, I don't know, Christy or Janelle, if you want to add on to that. No, you're good? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it is a hard act to follow. I'll tell you that much. I ain't going to lie. Uh, uh, I guess uh, one of the next question then is, um, if and how have you experienced God through your journey of financial generosity? Because usually, you know, the, the, it's a process, and it's still a process for all of us here. I don't think any of us landed in this perfect place. Um, and I think that's what's unique about God, that he's continually challenging um, our motivations and our hearts. Um, and so, 
yeah, how, if there's any ways you've experienced um, God through your journey of financial generosity. I know, Dave, you just mentioned it. And um, what areas of your life, if you've experienced spiritual growth and maturity through it? Um, so, Christy Janelle. So, Bryant mentioned this passage in Acts 4. Emily kind of touched on it last week, too. Just how every, you know, after, after the Spirit is poured out, you know, Jesus t- takes the cup and, you know, from there, there is this, like, pouring out of his spirit on the early churches. They're waiting. And um, the first thing that happens after that is this awesome sermon by Peter. But then signs and wonders. And then it says that in verse 32, they bring everything. And and this is really an act of worship, right? Because nothing, they had everything in common. They brought it all together. Everyone knew what everybody had because there was a preparation happening. And this was a witness of the early church that I feel like he's calling us back to, which is that if they couldn't give their possessions, how are they going to die for him in the coming years? All of them gave their life. There was not one that stepped away unscathed. And, but when you, when you're worship, when you know that all that you have is the Lord's, is it really something that you're dying to? You're not, you're walking into new life. This is freedom. And so for me, that has always been marked by this invitation of the Lord to do some things that are a little bit audacious and I, and I mentioned my parents again um, because, um, you know, my, my mom's dream for me was to just graduate from college. I was the first in my family to graduate. And um, their hopes for me was, you know, everything they didn't have, they, they poured into me. You know, they, she worked hard. She was a single mom. Um, then married my stepdad. And they worked very hard for my education. And then God calls me to ministry, and they're baffled. <laughs> and, um, and then I go, and I work at Starbucks, you know, and because I'm church planting. And the Lord's like, you're going to pastor this Starbucks in Century City, California. And my dad pulled me aside. And, and see, this is the thing about generosity also. It's a witness not just for me, but to everyone around me. And in the early church, what, would, what people were so baffled by was that not only were they giving their possessions, but they were giving their lives. And my dad was like, what are you doing? You have a college degree. Like, why are you making, you know, I'm not even going to say the number, but there is no way I should have survived. And I'm like, dad, this is the invitation of God. And how can I say no? To, I have to trust him. This is my act of, wor- like, this is worship. And if I can't say yes to this, then I can't say yes to Jesus. And over and over again, he has proven himself. Then from there, like moving across the country. Now, Fourscore didn't pay me to go and and be a chaplain at Harvard. Harvard didn't pay me to be a chaplain at Harvard. I actually had to pay Harvard to dues to be a chaplain there on that campus. And I won't even tell you what I made there, but I will tell you this there is no way I should have survived for close to a decade in Cambridge, Massachusetts on what God gave me. But over and over again, it was a witness, not just for me, but for everyone around me. I'm like, look, I don't know how this is happening, but I do know this. When God invites us into something, it will cost me everything. But he, like Dave said, will fulfill it and our cup will be overflowing. And the Spirit will meet us in those moments, and he will do miraculous things with very little. And church, this is our witness. This is our witness. Thanks. Um, thanks, Janelle. Um, and yeah, Give it up. Just to kind of add just one thing for what Janelle was sharing. Um, some of you, many of you know Janelle's story kind of coming on board with us at Hope Brooklyn. And, and she makes $2 more than what she did at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I just called her in a stairwell after a conference because uh, there was a, the, the sermon convicted me to just step out in faith. And I was like, it was like, it was a total like 
out of nowhere left field type situation and she's like let me pray about it and then we, we caught up like I think a week or two afterwards and um, she's like I think I'm in I think the Lord is saying yes um, and I know and if you know Janelle and their amazing house um, there's Emily and Jesse there as well and she's like I gotta talk to my housemates apartment mates about it too I was like man we got to convince two more people. <laughs> like, like, we got the yes already. <laughs> got to convince two more people. Um, but it was just, for, for them, it was just confirmation of yes. And she took the position before even knowing what the salary was. Um, we were, like, negotiating her salary as she was looking for apartments in Brooklyn already. Um, and I was like, I don't know if you're doing this right. <laughs> but just the faith that, you know, really just following the yes of Jesus before following the money. Um, I know that's it's, it's 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 challenging and it's scary, um, but yeah, just as we've been hearing stories of provisions, and so um, but yeah, Christy, you want to add on to it? Uh, my story is similar to Janelle's in that it is one that uh, exemplifies life in ministry does not pay pay well, and because my my parents are ministry, I can relate to a little bit of that story. I don't have something as dramatic as Dave's that's tangible, where it's this amount was a bill on this one, but it's, it's one of a lifelong story of God, God's faithfulness, and I'll just quickly, quickly share. Um, so those of you I don't know, um, so uh, I, was, I, was, I was born in Korea to missionaries, and my parents moved, uh, me and my brother, to Canada to plant a church, and, and therefore they became, and they were pastors. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't know growing up, obviously your parents protect you. I didn't know sort of relatively how, many, how much they made or how we were doing in comparison to those others at the church, I, I, my friends at school and their, their parents. I think the first time I realized, um, so they planted a church uh, of four and it, it kind of grew um, from there and they still serve at that church today. But when I was uh, applying for college and I was applying for financial aid, um, that was the first time I had to ask my parents to fill out this form so that we can hopefully receive financial aid. So the first time I asked for them to write down on this, this blank line their salary and my, my jaw dropped because I didn't know in comparison, but I was like, that, that's quite small. That, that doesn't, things started to not make sense and kind of what I was getting at how, we, how we, I overlap with Janelle. Um, and then uh, a few, and after I graduated college, um, my, my first job, I remember my... Um, the, the salary on the offer letter, I remember it being, without disclosing, I remember it being um, just about like what my, my dad made as a senior pastor like 15, 20 years into his, his, into his ministry and thinking, this is my first job and this, my parents have been working in ministry for 15, 20 years as the lead pastor, like something, something and, and I had a very, very humble salary to start and I was like, something is not, not making sense and it, and I was an adult at that time, so I began asking my questions and talking about this with them openly. Like, I, I, I don't understand how you've raised two children and sent us to college. We have a home. We have a car. Never one day, like, skipped a meal. Like, kind of like you. It just doesn't, doesn't add up. And they said the same thing. It really, it really doesn't add up. They came with just enough to pay a down payment of a house. And, um, yeah, like, I, I, and as someone who's, who works in the numbers field, like, Think, things add up, and when you total up your budget for the month with your family or, or your savings in, or, in order to save enough for a down payment, like things you, you know, like you, you, what grows and eventually what grows into the money you have is money that, that you start with and what comes in and out every single month. And for me, what I learned that is that math was something I always loved and, and still like it. God doesn't work with math. Like God doesn't work with checks and balances. Um, what you put in is not what you get out. And um, yeah, if someone who is, like is lives and breathes that every every day, and where things have to make sense, like where you know you know where the money ha- has to come from, um, it's been a um, yeah God's faithfulness through through all of that um, and through my family story. Um, just uh, you know, a, a humble minister, parents, and, and, and a family is is sort of a testament to that. So, thank you, Christy. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, if I could just add one thing to the spiritual maturity on that, on that level. Something that I've matured in is God has delivered me from a welfare mentality. And that is huge because um, whether you have been personally on welfare or not, had needed public assistance to survive and eat, whether you have or not, 
The Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against evil principalities and rulers in dark areas. These ideologies in your head that makes you believe that you can do it all on your own, that you don't need nobody, or that you can't do it. Like, those are the thoughts that are really holding us down. The battlefield is in the mind. And God delivered me from that welfare mentality, that mentality of believing less than instead of more of, right? That I'm not worthy to, I am a child of the Most High, that I am under and, and, uh, the tail and not the head. So that... I, I, a, a spiritual maturity is, is breaking out of that darkness, that your eyes being open, you know, in the, the songs, you know, he opened my eyes or I can see. These, it's not natural seeing with the eye, it's seeing the goodness of God, seeing how he can change things, renewing your mind. Um, these are, that's a, a maturity that has changed my life. And because it changed my life, right? And although my grandmother was on welfare, my mom was on welfare, and it changed my life, now my children uh, were raised, born, and raised under this, this I am worthy mentality. You know, I, uh, I'm worth, I have value, I can do, like, they, because God broke that generational curse over my life, over my family, and therefore, that's maturity, that's growth. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we definitely have a lot more questions for time's sake. Um, one of the final questions we have is, um, what are some words of encouragement you would share with those who are looking to grow in their faithfulness with finances um, and their stewardship? Um. Uh, I think coming into this also, my prayer is for healing um, and that, uh, that even today as we come to the table and remember what Christ did and what he sacrificed for us, that we would be able, that any scarcity, any fear, any shame around um, our finances, debt, um, even maybe addictions around um, gambling, <laughs> um, corporate gambling, you know, um, any of those things, if you feel like this keeps you up at night, if you feel like this is always something that is lurking behind you, Jesus wants it. Jesus wants it, and he wants to relieve that yoke. And my prayer for you is that would you let him? And, and this is communal, too. I will say this. like Part of living in our households, too, is having conversations about our finances and how we spend our money. Um, and they're not always great conversations. Um, and so being transparent and having broad shoulders with community is also a step of faith as well. And that light is important. Um, amen. I want to offer three things. Number one, I learned early in my walk with Christ, uh, Colossians 3.17, that whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it unto your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And learning that early in my walk helped me especially in my giving, that I wasn't giving to man. I wasn't giving to match the numbers of somebody else. I was giving unto the Lord. Um, so that was, for whatever you do, whatever you give, give it unto the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Pray to the Lord. Uh, you know, make your pledge or your commitment unto the Lord and do it unto the Lord, right? That's number one. Number two is um, pair up with others, right? I'm big on working out. Um, and I believe that I, I, get, I know for a fact I got my maximum game when I partner with somebody because they encourage me. You know, they support me. They sponsor me. So pairing up with people uh, that of like this type of testimonies that can testify the goodness of God, that can encourage you um, to pray with you, to believe with you. Um, that's what we're here for. Um, reach out to us. Let, let us. let us believe with you. Let us stand behind you. Let us raise your hands in, in this time uh, where you want to grow in your faith. Let us spot you so that you can uh, spiritually grow as well. I think it's important because the Bible also teaches as iron sharpens iron, so do men sharpen men. And so as we uh, sharpen one another in our faith, this is how we grow. And then the last thing I want to leave you with, and I'm going to push the envelope so I might get kicked off, not only of the council, but the church. But anyway, uh, so is I want to, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I dare everyone in this room, no matter how young you are, to no matter how old you are, I dare you to believe. I dare you to step out and test God. I dare you, anywhere in your life, find an area that you wanna grow in this financial area, 
cut a deal with God, not a, not a financial deal, but a meaning a, a heartfelt, I want to believe you, God. I want to trust you, God. I want to, I want to become all that you want for me, God. I don't want this, my security to be in my dollars and cents. I want my security to be in you because everything that I have, the very air in my lungs is confirmation of God in my life. I, I can do nothing. The strength of my hands is provided by the God who gives me air and brings me to life. Everything I have, like, like you know, said, everything we have is his. I I dare you to believe. I dare you. I know. I'm, I'm confident he's not going to fail you. I am confident about that. He will not fail you. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the, man, nor the son of man that he should repent. He will meet you. If your heart is right, if you dare to believe him, he will meet you. Thanks, Steve. On the words of encouragement, and mine would be start start small and start early. And I, if you're my age or older, I, I half joke, but it might be too late. Like if for parents in the room or to to be soon parents, um, whenever I started receiving allowance, I don't I don't know grade school at some point if it was ten dollars a week. Like we were we were so disciplined almost to a fault. Like and that kind of is something I'm wrestling wrestling till to, till this day as an adult, right? Um, just that legalistic point of view, but that aside, it was, if I received 10, we were taught, if you can't give a dollar out of a $10, how are you going to give 10,000 of 100,000? How are you going to give, when you make 50,000, how are you going to give 5,000, right? How are you going to give 100,000 when you make a million dollars? So it was, and 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 not having um, the, the change was not not good enough for my parents. It was, if we receive 10, you somehow have to figure out throughout the week to get change and break it up so that you can have a dollar coin. We had a coin, a loonie in Canada, to dollar coin and and. I don't know if the children's ministry does it, but it really starts when, you, when you're young. It's incredibly difficult when you start having to stay up for a house and have a mortgage to pay, and it really starts with a dollar. Um, and if um, we'll get into what tithing means and what percentage and that if it even matters, but um, it starts start small and start, start early. Awesome. Well, thank you, council members. Appreciate your conversation. And... With that, as you know, we had these conversations about, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and I think Christy and Dave are going to be actually um, sharing the communion, um, distributing the communion for us. And um, with everything that's said, I'm hoping that something resonated with you. Um, maybe there's some disagreements, which is totally fine. Um, I think we have room for doubt and questions. Um, and I will say, um, it doesn't work like a simple math equation where you give and then God returns that in X amount. Um, if you look across the book of Acts, um, you wonder where the apostles' X amount return came in, because um, it didn't. They gave out of their poverty. Um, for them, it wasn't the dollar amount, it wasn't the, you know, the, the, the exact coins to cents, but it was just the heart of generosity, that they saw the need and they received the generosity of Jesus and they extended that to those that needed it. Um, and that became one of the biggest witness and testimonies of the early church. Um, it was something that even um, rulers and regimes were confused by, by the generosity and the care that these apostles and Christians had, not just in their finances, but taking in babies that were abandoned, um, even though they didn't have money to even take care of themselves. They saw babies abandoned in the alleyways, in the corners, street corners, and they took them in as their own children, adopting them. Um, and you see the mark of generosity throughout the early church. And we'll be talking about that in the next couple of weeks, unpacking that. But really, the, 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 the heart of provisions. And we're sharing this not because we're trying to boost our own bank account. Um, even at Hope Brooklyn, um, we tithe 10% um, to missions organizations. Um, if you've been receiving your emails last week, we talked about it. Emily shared about Foursquare Disaster Relief as well. We're doing an extended offering, extended hope. Um, trusting and with a matching fund, the 5,000, trusting that I know some, there's some areas that we need to grow in financial health, but we trust that God's going to take care. And um, our mission and our work doesn't stop because there's some sort of struggle here or there. And man, let me tell you, Hope Brooklyn, the, the way that God has provided um, over the years for this church, um, even today, is actually a mark of a miracle. What you're hearing, literally physically hearing right now through the speakers, it's a mark of a miracle. Um, a month ago, you, you guys, you guys, some of us heard we had a major flooding in the basement of all of our equipment. Um, I opened up one of the encasings of our equipment, 
and it was like water just poured out. And I was like, this thing's done. <laughs> um, and it was about like $8,000 worth of equipment in there. Um, it's actually those two boxes right there. I know those two small boxes. And um, Janice and Jonathan, they've been just so incredible week after week, um, trying to figure out solutions on, on the customer service line, all this stuff. And last week we just opened it up. And I know these are like crazy testimonies sometimes you hear, but it actually happened to us. Like there was still a layer of dust on the circuit board. Like there's no water, there's no like moisture that got in somehow um, into the actual equipment. And we're like, let's just turn it on. And last week it turned on. And today um, they tested it out and everything works. Um, so like we're able to set up our speakers, uh, the worship team, you know, they have, they have their in-ear monitors. Um, that's not so they look cool. It actually helps them <laughs> with their um, musicianship. Um, but we were stressing out the council. We, were, we had meeting after meeting talking about like, what are we going to do financially? This is going to set us back. And even little things like that, God is reminded, I will provide. I will take care of you. Even in little things like that. And trust that God will take care of the little things for you too. Whether we give or not, that's not how God's grace works. God's going to continually provide. And it's a matter of our response of what, we, what will we do with the blessings that God has given us. And so as we take communion, there's two questions. Um, I'm gonna, it's going to be up on the screen. Um, as you're receiving, you could kind of make this your prayer and wonder. We've been given, given resources of time, money, and giftedness. To what degree or to what level? It varies. But we've been given those gifts. In what area would you most like to grow in being more generous to others? Second question is, consider someone in your life today who would benefit from your generosity. How can you demonstrate generosity to that person today or this week? It might be a phone call. Man, I don't have time. I don't know if I call this person. It's going to be a 30-minute conversation. They're going to go vent about this and that. Maybe the Lord is just inclining, hey, spend that time listening to them. Maybe today is a prayer for somebody that you've been thinking of, but it's been prolonged. Take that time. Be generous at that time. Maybe it's a financial offering to somewhere, some organization, to someone. Maybe it's just our talents. I'm going to offer my talents and what I have available to be able to take care of this person today. And so as you're thinking of these questions and make, kind of making it prayer and meditation, um, I want to invite you to come receive the communion because this is what the early church did. They were generous and they broke bread together and they worshiped. And so the bread and the cup represents the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. And the cup represents his covenant, his blood that was poured out for us. It's a reminder that Jesus was generous, even with his physical body for us. And so we receive, and then we're able to be generous towards others through the spirit and the power of God. Not by our own strength, but by his faithfulness and his provisions. And so whenever you're ready, please feel free to come up and receive, and the worship team will also lead us in this time.